Hello there, and welcome to Gunner U, where there are no degrees because the learning never stops. I'm Dove, a TA here at Gunner U, and our, my friend Keith is our stalwart distinguished professor of Arsenal and Football Studies. This week featured Champions League Match Day 2 at Law and Premier League Match Number 8 at Home versus Manchester City. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. I was, I was, well, first off, I, I feel like I should deal with the pronunciation there. You have to add the S at the end. It's Lons. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I kissed the S. It's Lons. I, that's <laughs> not what I heard come out of your mouth. Uh, but you know what? Also, I should also add, I really don't want to talk about the Champions Leagues anymore because we friggin' did it. Right. If, if you had to ask, would you rather win at Lons? Or against Manchester City, clearly that's the match that we would pick to win of those two. <laughs> I mean, you know, if the if the end result if the end result had been, you know, give give me three points at Lons and give me a draw at home against City, okay, I, right. I would have been okay with right. that. I that's was not what we got, right. but I'm and I'm totally okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, um, and and by the way, like so, I, I never took French, I never studied French. I I spoke to my father, who did, and is a, a linguist to begin with, and I'm also kind of, I guess, I don't know what the uh, um, miso Frank. I don't, I don't know. I know Francophile, someone who loves France. I don't know what the mm-hmm. opposite of disliking France. So I'm I'm kind of poking fun at them. And yeah, if you hear me say law or law, um, you know, we, we know who we're talking about. It's lens and law well, the, yeah. or whatever. But yeah, I mean, the, the more you chevalier <laughs> is always acceptable right. as well. Right. Although I, I mean, Arsenal, of course, has a longstanding tradition of uh, especially a mo- recent tradition of, of, of French players, including the great William Saliba. But uh, yep, you know, yeah, it's you know, it's it's a it's a friendly dislike. It's not an intense hatred or anything like that. So, <laughs> so um, the first thing that we should uh, get out of the way a little bit is uh, so we did play Manchester City on this past uh, Sunday, and we don't have another match. Arsenal does not have another match until October twenty first because we are in another international break. This is going to be the October international break. So, so Keith, what is Colombia going to be doing during this international break? Colombia uh, back to World Cup qualifying in South America. Colombia will be home to Uruguay, which will be a really interesting game. Uruguay is very good, uh, definitely a team that you would expect to be in the World Cup. And then they go away to Ecuador. Uh, which is a game which can be difficult to play because of the the altitude uh, um, in Ecuador. I believe they usually play in Quito. Um, yeah, they'll be in Quito. Uh, that's a game. Uh, you know, it's it's not an easy qualifying window for Colombia, but it's one I think they're capable of navigating. I think fairly well. Okay, and uh, Argentina is going to be home to Paraguay and then away to Peru. So we'll we'll see what happens there. I can't give much of a forecast, but uh, we will cover the results after they're over. So, <laughs> as I understand, I understand it. I believe Messi has been called up for Argentina. Is that right? Did I? Did I, see I that, didn't or? see yet. Um, I I am uh, my Messi jersey finally arrived. He has returned to uh, MLS. He played mm-hmm. for Miami. His his return was this past week. Um, so apparently he's healthy enough to play for them. I don't know actually if he started. I came into that match late. I don't know if yeah. he's late substitution like Martinelli. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I will update as I find out more. Okay. I, I mean, just, to, just to throw in as well, since we're hitting the international break, I haven't heard a lot about Arsenal players being called up. I did hear two names in particular that are of interest to Arsenal. Uh, Bukayo Saka, who I'm sure we'll have more to say about, uh, in a little bit, uh, was 
for a brief time was going to join England, but mostly for mostly to be checked health wise. Apparently that has been foregone and he will not be joining England at all and getting a well-deserved break. Yeah. Uh, apparently, William Saliba will not be joining France. Apparently, he has a toe injury. Uh, I, I guess maybe picked up in the city game. I'm not sure. Doesn't they don't sound like it's serious, but they never say it's serious. So hopefully, right. it ends up being nothing. But he will he will not be with France uh, this yeah. this week uh, as France finishes up or goes to the. Ne- I believe France is close to clinching their spot in the European Championships. Uh, as is England. I don't. I think I said France could clinch this time. Uh, England won't, but we'll get very, probably should get very close. I I empathize with Saliba. I, I am myself just recovering from a toe injury, and <laughs> it is not fun. So cool. Um, and then what's going on? So what other federations or confed? Is it federations or confederations? Uh, confederations. Right. Federation is the national bot governing body. So the confederation would be. All of okay. those national bodies together in a continental gotcha. confederation. Um, so, so which which other confederations are going to have some activity this international break? Uh, well, they all have activity, of course. But in terms of World Cup qualification, right. I know I'm being pedantic <laughs> here. Uh, but in terms of World Cup qualification, uh, the one that gets started in this time is the Asian Football Confederation, the AFC. Uh, so they are going to get started uh, with their qualifying. A brief note about that in this round. Uh, you're going to see, so Asian qualifying is, I was reading through this before we came on, and it's, there's a lot of steps to the, to Asian qualification, but it's a very different continent than South America in a number of important ways, mm-hmm. um, mostly geographical, but also just in terms of the, uh, the, the quality gap of the team. So what starts this, this time is the first round where you're going to see the bottom, looks like about the bottom 18, the lowest, uh, the lowest 18. 18, seed, 18 teams in Asia are going to play two leg qualifiers against each other. The winners will then qualify for the second round, which will kick off in November. And that is a group stage involving the top 26 teams, you know, sort of everybody else in, in Asia. So they're going to weed out some of the bottom ones first at this time and then go ahead. So a couple of, couple of teams are going to about, uh, let's see if I count my numbers right here. One, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, it looks like the bottom 10 teams. Yeah, bottom ten teams uh, in Asia will be eliminated from the World Cup uh, in a uh, little, little, a little more than a week from now. Okay, which is weird, wild to think about because the World Cup's not till twenty twenty six. But yeah, rough for them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are going to each pick one Asian team to follow through qualifications. Right? Do we want to uh, announce those teams this week or wait till next week? Um. I mean, I, I think we should do it now. Uh, we might as well because next, I mean, next, next thing we're going to be previewing Chelsea. So I think we just, let's just jump okay. in on this. Yeah. So, um, we, as we discussed, so there's those 20 teams that are competing in the first round that are not likely to go very far. They are the bottom 20 teams. And then there's kind of the, the middle, like seven or so, eight. Um, and then you've got the first and second pots that get a bite of a second round. So we agreed to pick from the first two pots that are the teams that are more likely to go further in the competition. Um, I, I yeah, had my I mean, eye on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's, I think just to clarify, I think that's sort of the better suggestion. Cause as we said, we're, we're looking for teams that, you know, obviously you picked Argentina. Argentina is going to qualify for the World Cup. I'll just right. spoil that right now for you. Um, <laughs> and given the size of the World Cup, I'm pretty sure Colombia will as well. But we're looking for teams that are either likely to qualify or perhaps in that kind of, you know, it, they they might. They might be able to take that step up. For Asia, 
you know, as you look, they've, they've divided their, their nations into pots for, in terms of setting up qualifying. Um, you know, pot one is the teams that are very likely some of the teams at the top of pot two maybe could work their way in. And by the time you get to pot three, uh, you know, it would be, it would be a wonderful story for some of them if they were to make it, but it is highly. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, um, I look through and the team that I'm going to pick is perhaps a long shot, not quite in pot three, but almost. I'm picking this country, A, because I, I know people from this country. I've worked with people from this country. I'm currently working with somebody from this country. Um, also, for our first soccer practice, I asked um, my U8 kids to each bring in a single player and just tell me what country do they play for, what club do they play for, and then one other random fact about them. And, and one of my players surprised me by picking a player from this country, so I'm actually curious to see how they do. Uh, and that country is India. Hmm. So we'll see how India does. They're one of the biggest countries in the world. Um, I think second, usually behind China. Um, and it's interesting to me that a country with that many people is not able to generally be in the conversation for soccer at all. So, yeah, um, they're an interesting one. That's that's one I'm, I'm a country I've sort of always been curious a little bit about because, as you say, its size, its population. It is a former British colony. You think they'd be much more into the sport, but actually, of course, as as a former British colony, the sport they are most deeply invested in is cricket. Sure. Uh, and they are they are obsessed with cricket um, and are very good at it, uh, as, as, yep. you know, as you expect. So it's interesting. <laughs> it hasn't quite translated. There is an Indian Premier League um, or an Indi- a top Indian uh, Super League, I think it's called. I know there's a big league. All of their players, at least in the last window, as I'm looking up, all play in the Indian League. So, um, you know, it would be a great story for them if they were able to take that step forward and really sort of uh, really take that step forward. And if not qualify for the world cup at least maybe advance to the third round in the next group um you know or even even potentially to the fourth round probably just to the third round uh you know to get to that that next group stage that would be big for india yeah so uh who who have you selected um i am going to go with someone slightly less interesting i'm going to go with japan uh okay japan japan is traditionally one of the strongest teams in asia they have qualified pretty they qualified for the last several world cups uh samurai blue is a is a traditionally a, a strong asian side they're they're in a lot of ways i think a lot like the u.s uh they're their best players play in europe but we of course are familiar with uh, takahiro tomiyasu um, but I, you know, Japan's an, inter- an interesting country. Uh, Arsene Wenger, uh, actually managed, uh, the club Nagoya Grampus eight, uh, before he came to Arsenal, which was quite a surprise. They hired a guy who coached in Japan. Um, but you know, it's a country that I've, uh, you know, he's had a, a, a personal interest in, um, yeah, me for too. all kinds, for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. you know, I talked about this way back in yeah. the day, but, uh, so, you know, Japan's a fun team to watch. They're very, they're usually very strong. Um, so it'll be interesting to see them navigate their way through Asian qualifying. All right. Do you think it would be interesting for our viewers and listeners to discuss the notably absent country who in theory should be competing in Asia and is not? So we'll just mention this briefly. Um, and then also we can name, by the way, the groups these teams are in, but we'll throw them in a second. Briefly, those of you who are, if you're looking at a list of teams in AFC and wondering to yourself, wait a minute, something's missing here. The country that's missing is Israel, uh, which for various geopolitical reasons, mostly stemming from the refusal of certain countries in the region or in the Confederation to play them regularly, uh, Israel actually plays with UEFA. 
um, is a is technically a European country, and and you'll see your Israeli teams have played play in the Europa League, played have played in the Champions League. Um, they don't typically do very well, but yeah, some of them made to the group stage, and so they've had some some quality sides and, and a few quality Israeli players. I think the one I remember most uh, with an Arsenal connection was a player named Yossi Benayoun, who played mostly at Chelsea, but uh, was loaned to Arsenal for a season. I rather liked him. I, I thought he was a really he's a really nice player for us. He wasn't a regular starter, but I thought he was a really quality piece, uh, you know, for for uh, for us for that season. I forget exactly which one it was, but I just liked him. Um, yeah. But anyway, just really quickly, because I know people are, I'm sure, dying to hear us talk more about Arsenal. Uh, India, by the way, has been drawn into Group A in the second round with Qatar, the previous World Cup hosts, and Kuwait. So that's a quite a lot of traveling for them. Yeah. Uh, Japan has been drawn into Group B, where they will face Syria and North Korea. Okay. So, uh, and then just quickly, the fourth team in India's group will be the winner of Afghanistan and Mongolia. The winner, uh, the fourth team in Japan's group will be the winner of Myanmar and Macau. So hmm. get a real sense of the, the breadth of Asia, the geographic breadth we're dealing with when you're talking right. about Asian continents. Right. So. Um, but anyway, cool. yeah, that'll be a, a fun little thing to add as we get set for World Cup qualifying this time around. Yeah, nice. All right, a little bit of follow-up from last week before we get to our main topics. Uh, a couple more things we want to cover. Uh, first of all, uh, you had mentioned a couple weeks back uh, the Fun Day Football Toy Story uh, American Football match. And I had not watched it last weekend when it was first on, but we, we watched a little bit of it uh, this past weekend. And it was interesting. Um, it was a similar idea and similar execution to the Big City Greens hockey game. Um, so one big, big difference is it was plagued with technical issues where they spent long stretches showing the commentators and not the action, even though the football game was still happening, they just weren't showing it. So that combined with, uh, other factors led my son after maybe five minutes to 10 minutes to declare, I lost interest in it. That is a direct quote. <laughs> I lost interest in it. Um, let's watch something else. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of wish it seems like a lost opportunity on their part. If they're trying to get kids in, do kids really care about it being live to me? They could do the exact same thing, but instead of the focus being on real time, animate it, do like use that live data as a starting point and fine tune it and refine it and make it a well-produced polished thing. Maybe you even do highlights or something like that. Instead of showing a whole match, do something that's more approachable. Maybe would, would be my suggestion to them, which they'll never hear. And it's okay. But. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think part of the argument, there's a couple things there. One, I think you're dealing with sports and part of the, the argument and the enjoyment is the, is the live sports angle. I think they're also sort of, I think there's also a chance of checking that the, testing the technology. That trying to do it live because ideally that's what you'd be able to do is to broadcast these games live like every time, like as a regular thing. Yeah, or at least at least I I, I suspect I I mean maybe I mean yeah you're probably going to continue to see these kind of you know kid centric you know the NFL a couple of years did the Nickelodeon game which involved a lot of graphics sort of on the screen um sort of an enhanced broadcast as opposed to this which is the anime animated one or like the big city greens when animating the game. And I suspect part of that goal there is to maybe utilize that animation 
for something that's a little more, something that's not just, um, not just for kids, that there's some mm-hmm. other application they could apply, apply to it in terms of, uh, what they're, you know, what they, what they can do with it in the live broadcast. And, and I guess part of the argument is the only way to test that is to test it, is to go out and do it. Yeah. Um, and see how it works at lot and see how it works live. I mean, cause then even in terms of, and I think there's an element to that too of, of, you know, just sort of testing it out. And also, I guess you, you want to produce it live because part of the idea is that kids get used to the whole course of the game and the flow and how it operates. And it, it, it's hard to get that if you're talking about a truncated game or an yeah. edited game or even a highlights package. That's just a different thing. Yeah. Um, but also, as we, you pointed out, like the Big City Greens classic apparently went off really well. And yeah, so, it didn't seem to have the same types of issues, at least from the part that I saw. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be curious. I'm sure you could probably speak to this more than I could. I'd be curious about the kind of, uh, the, like, the, if there were what kind of technological differences were involved in producing the two different games, and and maybe the things, the advance. Because I assume it's not the exact same technology. I'm sure they've made some adjustments and some changes since. Yeah, it's, it's February, been some February? number of months. I can yeah. try and find. I found an article that talked about the Big City Greens one. I can try and find something similar to to get into more detail on this one. I'm one. One thing they did do differently that may actually portend some technological changes is they tried, and I think they successfully did it once during the 10 minutes or so that that we watched, but they tried having a first-person point of view, like helmet cam. Mm -hmm. So you'd actually, when a player received the ball and was like running with it, you'd like Mm -hmm. see from his point of view as he ran forward. Um, so there's got to be some, um, it may just be rendering. It may just be that they're able to say, okay, well, he's about this high. I mean, you know, he's running in this direction. Maybe they approximated, or maybe there is something in the helmet that's actually allowing them to track that better. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I can follow up on that. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about before we uh, get to Arsenal is, yes, Messi is back. It's not a long enough conversation to to turn the room pink or anything, but uh, he is back. They lost again. I don't know if he was in the whole game or not. I joined it with maybe 20, 30 minutes left to go. It happened to be live and we watched it. And we, when we joined, it was still scoreless. And then we saw them get scored against. And that was, that was it. No, no more goals after. So a little bit of a disappointing return for him, but hopefully, hopefully they can pick things up a little bit. And I don't know if they're, if they still have a chance at the playoffs, but no, they no, they've, they've been eliminated. It's gone. Um, okay. It's a, they've been eliminated, <laughs> which is, as we talked about this last time, isn't a huge surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given how far back they were to start, it'll be curious to see what they do in the offseason in terms of continuing to strengthen the squad and then just having, I frankly, I think the biggest shift isn't even so much Messi. It's been Tata Martino, their manager. I mean, he's a, he's a very good manager. He was, he won a cup with Atlanta a few years ago. He's been experienced in MLS experience. He's, I believe he's Argentine descent. He's, he managed Mexico for a few years. Not so great with Mexico, but you know, he has a ton of experience. He's a guy who commands a lot of respect. And they, uh, the general sense I've got from reading things about sort of Miami, the, the little bits I've read about Miami since Messi's arrival has is, is really been, they are actually a much more, they're a better drilled side. They're more disciplined. They have a better sense of their roles. Like he's, he's clearly a better coach than what they were getting before. Mm-hmm. And that's showing in the adding a player of, of, of that, those qualities that they're getting has been helping as well. All right. So let's uh, take our medicine before we have our dessert. Let's go to France for a little while. So this was uh, our Champions League match day two. Uh, this was against Law. 
Um, and we lost two to one. It was, it was a little frustrating. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was largely frustrating because they did just kind of outplay us. <laughs> like, I can't, they, they were, they were strong. They, they did a good job. They were, they were a tough team to, for us to play against. Yeah, they were, they, and you know, we, we sort of downplayed this or I sort of downplayed that. I'll, I'll take the heat on this one. I sort of downplayed them a little bit. You point out, we pointed out. Coming into the the game, they were what fifteenth in the French league. They were down near the bottom. This is a team that very nearly won Ligue 1 last year. I mean, they were they were right neck and neck with PSG for much of the season. They were mm-hmm. a very good team. Hasn't had a very strong start to the season, but now here they are. And, and the team we saw is the team that challenged for the French title. They are yeah. they're pretty good. And I mean, that their stadium there, uh, the Stade Boyard de Lelis, um seats just just to get a sense of how big this was this is their first time in the champions league their first home champions league game i think they said since the late 90s wow which weirdly enough they played i'm pretty sure they played arsenal back then actually <laughs> um that 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 stadium uh seats about thirty thousand. if i get some of the numbers i had some numbers here uh yeah seats uh, seats uh thirty eight thousand people the city of long itself has a population of 32,000. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And, More of a uh, doubling in size for the duration of the match. Wow. Y- yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, there's quite a lot of overlap between people in the stadium oh, and sure. people who live but. in Lons. Uh But that is, and I mean, it was a heck of an atmosphere, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to yeah. give the, you got to give them credit, sort of the excitement. I heard some of the comparison people are making was sort of, we talked a bit about the, the game, uh, the first game of the Amazon documentary season at Brentford and sort of the build up to the Brentford and the, and the atmosphere and the stadium and all that. And I, I heard some people making that comparison afterwards that it was a lot like that, which makes a lot of sense given the length of time out of the Champions League, the quality of the side, the atmosphere. I, and, and, you know, they played very well and their goals were both really a couple of really excellent pieces of play. I mean, again, I'm a little more casual about this, you know, in part because of the city result. But, you know, it's again a reminder, this is the difference between the Champions League and the Europa League. And, you know, in the Champions League, we knew who the big opponent was. It was it was PSV. We knew the game at PSV would be tough. It was. We lost. But while playing a deeply rotated lineup, we played a much stronger lineup this time. And yeah. we, we paid for it in a couple ways. But also, I mean, yeah. that, you know, <laughs> this is a quality team that played well and generated really two excellent goals. I, you have to give them credit for what they did. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, especially that second one, as I recall, was just like perfectly arced around and caught the corner, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was it was crushing. Um, oh, you know that was actually the first one, but yeah. So I I did note um, they played a very physical game against us. I got the feeling mm-hmm. like just really knocking us around, and it seemed like we weren't prepared for it. We did not give it back to them at all, and just seems like they kind of steamrolled us a little bit. Um, to, to a certain extent, in some ways, I think we were a little unbalanced. I mean, the big news for Arsenal coming out of the game isn't so much that we lost. Because frankly, right at the same time we lost, Manchester United lost at home to Galatasaray, which is a, a really <laughs> eye-raising result for a number of reasons. Um, so it was hardly even the worst loss that an English team even suffered in Europe this week. Um, again, we talk about the quality of the side. I, I think the bigger thing was really... Um, was the, the Saka injury, I think, is the biggest story for Arsenal coming out of the game. Um, a hamstring injury, which, um, mm. you know, we talked about Arteta and his subs. I thought the substitution of Vieira 
was an interesting choice. Um, F- Fabio Vieira has a lot of qualities. He's not a, I don't see him as a wide player like that. I think there were maybe some other things we could have done. Um, I think maybe the move probably would have been perhaps in Kedia or, or even, maybe even push Kai Havertz into the center, center, uh, center of the forward line and move Jesus out wide. Which um, they but, did during the city match, pretty much. They had Enkedia in the middle, it seemed like. In yeah, yeah, Saka. right. And so I, I wonder if that would have been the move. And I felt like without Saka, because we run so much through him down that wing, I feel like that may have... Again, I should say this. I watched bits and pieces of the first half live and then had to go do something else. And I rewatched the game, particularly the second half later in the week. And, but yeah, they, they, they didn't look... Especially after Saka went out, they didn't quite look as crisp. I, th- you know, I, I don't want to say they were overwhelmed by the atmosphere. I mean, these are veteran players; they played in tough places before. But it was a good night, um, and we'll talk about this more with the City game. I thought Raya was again a little shaky, even his distribution. Um, you know, we had some bad giveaways, and we really, when we have those bad giveaways, we really do, need, do seem to get punished for them mm-hmm. in the league and now here in Europe as well. You know, I, I but it, it, I was listening to someone. They made this point that uh, you know that overall, Lons, I mean, scored two cracking goals. I mean, really excellent finishes. Other than that, they didn't have a lot of great chances. They played well and did a very you know we weren't we weren't quite at our level. They were playing an excellent game, and I mean, I, you know, it's not great to lose the big the big game that we need to be concer- concerned about. And we're sort of fortunate, really, in the way the other results have played out. Um, yeah, the other games, our games have had results. We won the first one and lost this one. The other games, both involving um, who's the fourth team in our group, uh, uh, Seville, Sevilla, have both ended in draws. So we're currently still in second. Um, and our next game is at Sevilla, which I mean was always was likely to be the toughest game in the group. I still think that's probably true. Sevilla is a very good team, especially in Europe. You know, get a draw there, pick up. Beat Lons and Sevilla at home, you know PSV get a result on the road, and, I, and we'll, we'll certainly be in good shape to qualify for the next round. Uh, we still I, the goal is still to win the group. I think that's still in front of us because of the results so far. Yeah. Um, but it does sort of remove that margin for error. It feels like it removes that margin for error a little bit, and that you know at Sevilla is going to be a tricky one, uh, especially coming out of that's coming out of the international break, coming out of the Chelsea game. So we'll see how that right. plays out. Um, but yeah, I think honestly, I think the Saka injury is kind of the. That's to me the more the more I- interesting implication, what it meant for us on the weekend, and then what it meant for us, what it'll mean for us going forward. And sure. It, it doesn't sound like it's super serious, but it's also a hamstring and it's a muscle injury, and those are you know muscle injuries are tricky. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was definitely devastating. It's funny going into this match, I had a, a question on our list of kind of we don't need to answer it this week, but at some point I wanted to ask you about how they were talking about how at the time he'd made he'd started in like eighty six consecutive Premier League matches or something like that, which is crazy. That's you know more than two full seasons without missing a match. And I was going to ask you, how does a player do that? Like, what is different about him compared to everyone else? It seems has been injured at some point. It's yeah. So it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. So I, I I actually just read an article or something. I'm trying to find it and and send it to you and put it in there. That talking about yeah, why why from the athletic why some players battle through a 70 game season while others can't. And one, I mean, there's some of it is a little bit of mentality. Some of it's just they're they're they have that physical ability to sort of bounce back from taking hits. 
And some of it's just they point out, they said, you know, they, 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 they didn't get hurt when they were younger. Guys who are hurt at some point are more likely to get hurt again. You don't get hurt when you're younger, you're less likely to get those kind of injuries later. Now, this doesn't suddenly mean Saka's leg is going to explode and he will, you know, always be missing five or, you know, five, six, ten games a season going forward. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's one of those you want to be careful with. And it's, it's a, it's a benefit to us that we have so much depth that we can afford and that we really should take the opportunity to give him some of that time off, let him actually heal. Mm. As opposed to like, well, he's close. He can, he can go. Cause, cause that's right. the other thing that happens is something gets hurt, but you can play through it. But because you're playing through that injury, your body overcompensates by doing different things. And then you hurt another part of yourself because you're, you're not doing, so, you're doing something weird. I mean, their, their bodies are very finely tuned in a lot of interesting ways. And so when things are different, it, it throws them off in a way that it wouldn't necessarily for you and me mm. for our, cause our physical activity is, is different. Let's just say, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, one small question before we move on to city. Um, so Saliba, Saliba is, as far as I know, our only French player at Arsenal. Um, did he ever play at law? Did he come up through French league? Like, or did he start in England pretty early on? What, what his, what was his career trajectory? Um, so he, he would not, he didn't play for Lons. He's, he's actually from, from Bondi. I'm looking this up. Bondi is a suburb, a suburb of France or Paris, excuse me. It's all in France. A suburb <laughs> of Paris. Right. Um, he, he really got his start as a youth player coming up through the ranks at Saint-Étienne, uh, a French club, um, in near the, near the Alps, uh, in that part of the country. Um, he played, he had some appearances with Saint-Étienne, um, brief history. Arsenal bought him from Saint-Étienne, then loaned him back for a season. So he continued his development there, came to Arsenal. They sent him on loan for a half season at Nice, um, which was a whole weird thing. They actually screwed up his loan. And so he actually didn't play at all in the mm. first half of the season because they messed up some paperwork. He's at Nice for the spring of 21. And then for the 21-22 uh, season, he was sent on loan to Marseille, where he was really quite excellent. Uh, came back from Marseille uh, to Arsenal in 22-23 last season. And he has been, of course, a a sure. mainstay since then. Um, o- 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 Olympique Marseille OM is is one of the biggest clubs in France, one of the historic powers of of France. Uh, so to play well there uh, is is uh, it's not a small thing. And, yeah. and he was a very he did very well there. Um, and so it's 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 we're we're very happy to have him now. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. But his development, yeah, and, and his development isn't terribly unusual coming up through the ranks of a smaller club, getting bought by a big club, and then being loaned out to someone else. In his case, it was back in his home country, which sort of helped with his development. And so he's not only he's not only learning to become a professional and learning to adjust to the life of a, a professional athlete as opposed to a youth player, but doing so at least in a place that he is somewhat familiar with. He speaks the language, as opposed to having to do all of that while also adjusting to life in England, which is, of course, different than France in a lot of sure. interesting ways. So, you know, that's yeah. th- th- there's a lot of benefit to that kind of thing. Cool. We will get to City very shortly, but first, <laughs> let's let's talk for a minute. So, so you, viewer, listener, uh, you seem pretty smart, right? I think one of the smartest things that you could decide to do in the next few minutes, pause this, go to our description, go to our show notes, 
click the link that takes you to where you can become a Gooner U super fan. Not only will you support the show and help keep us going, you'll get early access to episodes the night we record. So right now it's almost uh, 10 o'clock U.S. Eastern time. Within an hour or so, we'll be wrapped up and I will have a version of what you're listening to or watching right now. I'll have that as a podcast. You can download the very same night. So just one day after the Manchester City match is over, you'll be able to hear what we're about to say about it later on in this episode. You will get it the same night. You will also, in that special members-only feed that gives you that episode, you also get an ad-free version. So let's say you don't care about listening to it right away. You want to skip ads like this one. That'll be when we post the regular episode to the public, you will get an ad free version that sometimes has special bonus segments at the end where we talk about other things that either are or are not related to soccer. So other areas of interest for, for myself and for Keith. Um, every so often we'll also decide to give a shout out to those who have joined recently, as long as you approve. And it's only a dollar a month. So no big deal. It's something that we spend way more than that on all kinds of other things. And this could make a really big difference. Help us to make all kinds of changes to the show that will make it better for you and help us keep going. So we'd really appreciate it. And again, there's always a link in the show notes and in the description on YouTube. So you can always click over and join. Um, it is, uh, you become a super fan. It is going to show on the page as Gooner U Plus that you'd be joining. So um, that is all the same thing. There's only one membership level at this point. So uh, please come and join your, your peers who are so smart and have uh, decided to take the plunge. So uh, we will now return to our regularly scheduled city defeat. <laughs> well, it hasn't been regularly scheduled because it's been a very long time since that happened. But my <laughs> God, was that fun? Was that fun? Oh, yeah. Well, the second half was fun. <laughs> Once, I mean, it. So my my take on it, we we started off slow. Mm. It's like once we went a certain amount of time, I don't know if it was 15 minutes or 20 minutes, it seems like they started to get their confidence and mm. start realizing, hey, this is something we can do. We're holding our own against them. We can do this. And they started holding the ball more. They started pressing more. They started making attempts. And they started – basically, the possession started leveling out. Like they started – possessing Mormon city at, at some point started shutting them out more and they continued that strength. Thankfully into the second half buoyed undoubtedly by Martinelli coming back, which was really, you know, it's good to see him back and he clearly ended up directly contributing to, to the victory. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it took a while. There, there was a, there was an arc, there was a curve to our performance. That was very noticeable. Did you, did you detect that? Um, I think for certain players, that's true. I actually saw a lot of similarities in our performance uh, th this weekend with our performance in the Community Shield. And, and this was something that got mentioned a little bit in some of the post-game coverage, just sort of this idea. And they, they were, a lot of people were drawing a contrast or comp comparison back to sort of Liverpool a few years ago and how Liverpool built and built. And they, they talked with the idea that they became obsessed with beating City. And you had to be. They, they are, they are, they, we, you know, they are the monster under the bed. They are the ones. They are the the. They are the ones lurking in the distance. And you, you sort of have to think about how are you going to deal with this team that is so good that they almost don't let you do the things you want to do. For some clubs, that that's an easier thing mentally to sort of deal with because you are so like. There are a lot of clubs that know when they walk, like Wolves, who beat them last week. They know walking into City, 
we can't do what we normally do. We have to play a specific way because it's the only way we can hang on and maybe get a chance at a result. But Wolves plays that way against a lot of other teams. Arsenal doesn't. We, we walk into a game, most games, and say, how are we going to dictate this? How are we going to make, make them play our way? And you just can't do that. And so I think what we've seen is a much cagier Arsenal, one who was willing to clog the midfield. There were moments where we pressed high, but also we were very conservative in the back. And I know there was a lot of stress from people, you know, David Rye a lot of times almost standing on the ball. But one of the things they mentioned post-game, Arteta said, that's what he told Raya to do. They wanted to force City to move and bring that pressure. And and other than Raya, we talked about sort of the nerves of the environment at Lons. You know, especially after the City game, looking back, I think Raya was a little nervous at Lons. I think he was he was clearly very nervous in the early of this City game. And it's hard not to be. You know, he yes, he had played against them with Brentford. But, but Brentford wasn't challenging for anything. Like, the stakes are higher, and he knows that. Everybody knows that. They know this game is different, but even for some of these players, like, okay, this is a big game, but we've been in this before. We know that we have the plan. We're working on it. Raya's never really been in a game like that before. And so I think that was clear early on. He, other, I think for the most part, we played very well early on, even if we were somewhat conservative, except for Raya, who had some... That's a moment. I think we're, I think we can say. <laughs> yeah, there, there's <laughs> one particular one comes to mind where it really looked like they scored on us until you saw it for, mm-hmm. until you saw it clearly bounce out of the goal instead of into it. But ooh, <laughs> that was, yeah, and, that and, would have been extremely embarrassing had that actually gone in. Yeah, and, and what I'll say is we talked a little bit about this with like being punished on mistakes. I mean, City is of course the team that ruthlessly punishes them. You'll remember uh, last year, I think it was the. Um, it was the first game we lost to them, the one where Tomiyasu has a bad giveaway, and then Kevin De Bruyne scores a goal that maybe five people, you know, ten people in the world can actually score. Like you mm-hmm. sort of get put in that position, you know. That was that moment. That was that moment that you know, or, or Spurs, like Jorginho gets caught on the ball, and all of a sudden Spurs is breaking the other way. That was that moment, and it went wide, and you just sort of like, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> maybe. I mean. It's easy to see, especially in retrospect, we look back and say, okay, we, we might have dodged, well, I mean, we dodged a bullet, you know, is that going to be how the game goes? And I thought overall, and even Rye eventually by the second half, I think settled in a little bit. Um, you know, overall, we were okay. Um, I think I think the two big stories in the half, from my perspective, well, one is our tactics. We were much more conservative, clogged the middle of the field, especially with Declan Rice and Jorginho. Um, but I think also... I mean, I really think the big stories in the first half were Raya's, you know, Raya's distribution, which was you know, poor, as we said. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. Do we want to have a talk about keepers and 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 Ramsdale and all of this? I don't we, know. We could. I mean, one. So I I can remember the moments that you're talking about where he was poor and kind of mm-hmm. overshot and gave the ball up sometimes that maybe we didn't need to. There's also at least one or two where it was really impressive where he like punted the ball like two thirds of the way across the field and it landed exactly where it needed to. Also, but yeah, oh, yeah why, you can see, yeah you can see the skill. The skill yeah. is obvious and and. Yeah, you're right. Some of his balls were were just just exactly where they needed to be, but you know he, he also had some some distribution errors. I mean, he had some couple of direct giveaways to say like really bad balls that really wound up you know in on another player's foot. And it's the kind of thing that you know Aaron Ramsdale was getting yelled at. at. Now, look, I don't want to 
I don't want to dive down any sort of weird rabbit hole on here. Raya is clearly the number one for yeah, the way Arteta is managing them. That seems obvious. Um, this is not me sitting here saying it should be Aaron Ramsdale, but you know, it is kind of interesting to me how, you know, we're watching, he's letting Raya work his way through some of these difficulties, which I think in the long term is probably a good idea. I think the idea is Raya is really the long term keeper. Um, but it is kind of curious how that plays out and, and sort of what we're looking at. I expect the next time you'll see, I expect you'll see Ramsdale in the League Cup and the FA Cup. And that might be it, depending on how those turn how they, and we talked about a little bit last week, right? How you manage the roster as far as how the other tournaments go. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I said that. Yeah. I think the other big story in the first half uh, was uh, the officiating, in particular, uh, Kovacic. Right. Now, you saw the foul against Odegaard. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? I mean, definitely yellow card now. So this is the one that went to VAR review to assess mm-hmm. potential red card. I I was guessing when they showed that, that they were trying to determine did the studs hit Odegaard? Was that maybe one thing that would have turned it to being a red card potentially? Um, I, the rules are that it, the phrase is, is violent conduct. Yeah. Um, and okay. yeah, I mean, that's sort of one of the ways we judge that is studs into the ankle or into the leg like that. I mean, which is what happened. Um, it you know, did. And, okay. And Cause the, I didn't see the, the studs going in. Yeah. And the, and the angle of the tackle, he comes in from behind and there's a yeah. lot of, you know, rules and, and talk. And that this was years ago about, you know, tackles from behind or, or cards and all of that. Um, yeah, they gave the yellow, uh, I feel like it's one of those, and, and I can't claim credit with this idea. One of the guys I was talking to during the game said this. Um, he looked and said, because they called it a yellow, they're not going to, like, he watched, like, he, they showed the first replay and he watched and was like, they're not overturning that. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's right. I think it's one of those, we, we talk about the clear and obvious, right? Yes. I think abs, it, absent any other context, I think you look at that and it's hard to say, hard not to say red or certainly an orange tinted yellow. I think it's yeah. fair, but they called it yellow on a field. Is it obvious that it was definitely a red that you would overturn it? I kind of agree. That would be uh that, that would have been a, a bit of a surprise to do that. Right now. The then interesting the one second is, yellow. Yes. The interesting <laughs> one is a few plays later where he makes the same tackle on Declan Rice. Right. So, uh, yeah, no, but it's you. What do you think? Yeah, so this one was, like you said, e- even more interesting. So it definitely seemed like it should have at least been a yellow. It's interesting that they didn't review that one for potential straight red, which I guess would have been unnecessary in that case. I mean, it, mm-hmm. would you ever, let me ask you, would you ever issue a straight red to a player who already has a yellow? Is there any practical difference in doing so? Um, not in the game itself, obviously you're being kicked right. out, but that has happened before. And what okay. it, it, it but, generally it's, it's a bookkeeping thing related to their suspension. So a player yeah. who, who picks up two yellows, like we saw with Tomiyasu is suspended for a game. A player who receives a straight red card is actually suspended for three games. I forgot that. Okay. And so, and so, and so for example, city was actually missing one of their better defensive midfielders, Rodri, who picked up a red card in one of their, in a couple of games ago for them. Um, and so, and that was, they, they actually, they lost all three games he was missing. So interesting. Yeah. Um, interesting, so yeah, yeah. yeah the, 
the fact that it would have been, a, a, you could have argued a red or a second yellow, whether a straight red or a second yellow would have actually made a big difference. Not so much for us, but definitely in terms of City looking ahead right. to the next game or a couple of games. So that that's why it matters. Sure. Um, so interesting. That said, he didn't give either. <laughs> so he let him off completely with just a foul, which yeah. definitely seemed wrong. And I mean, I I wonder if to him in the moment it was a borderline yellow and knowing that it would be his second yellow didn't want to throw him out of the game for it. I don't know. I I imagine they're not probably advised to think of it that way, but I wonder if even subconsciously that's how he looked at it. Well, there, there is, there is, there is some, there's always talk. I mean, of course, so many of these conversations are confidential, so we never hear them, but there is sort of talk. And apparently this came up on the broadcast during the game. Again, I don't always hear what the announcers are saying, which sometimes is better. Apparently, the co- one of the comments that was made during the game was, you know, this is the talk about the referee managing the game by the flow rather than by the rule book or something. That, I'm paraphrasing something to that effect. The idea of it's better for the game overall if we stay 11 v 11. And sometimes there are directives. I mean, this was a big game. Michael Oliver is generally regarded as one of the better officials in the Premier League. Right. Which says a lot, frankly. Um, but he's a veteran official. And to a game of this magnitude, Arsenal City, you want one of your best. Um, you want a veteran referee who's gone and done a lot, seen a lot, and sort of ideally knows how to sort of manage the flow of the game emotionally, sort of prevent things from getting out of hand, because of course it's going to be a very tense atmosphere. And and yeah, there are very likely conversations that sort of take place. This is a game that would be much better if it ended 11 v 11. Sure. You know, like... Instead of with an asterisk. Yeah. You want to be very careful about tossing a player. Um, having said that, and again, I'm offering this. This is, you know, this is this is a defense of it. This is a thing people say. Um, this isn't, you know, there's a, there's a school of thought, and we've sort of talked about this too, right? Do you, do you want do you really want to call the rule book by the letter of everything? I mean, it winds up it can wind up a very ticky tacky, very annoying kind of game. Yeah. On the other hand, Kovacic is extremely lucky to have been able to be subbed off the game as opposed to having been removed by the officials. That right. is, it's he is exceedingly fortunate to have not been given either a second yellow or a straight red. I, right. it, it, it is the conversation is very different, different because Arsenal eventually wins and we don't, we don't care. Right. But had this game ended nil nil, or perhaps even if city had nicked a winner, right. That's a very different conversation. And it's right. it, again, I don't want to dwell on this, but it's frustrating. It's the kind of thing that sort of pops up now and again. Well, yeah. I mean, from the perspective of the flow of the game, I feel the game did flow very well, and I felt like overall mm. it wasn't dominated by the ticky-tack kind of calls. Like, there really weren't that many fouls. There's only a couple yellows. It wasn't frequent. Um, there was a puzzling one where um, Aderson and Jesus were both given, and maybe, maybe you can <laughs> ex- explain that carding to Jesus, because I don't see what Jesus did. I don't know if he mouthed off after or something. but No, Jesus, Jesus was time-wasting. That oh, is exactly, okay. that is a, I mean, he, he knows that he's going into Ederson. He, he's, he flops. Like Ederson sort of bumps him off the ball and Jesus, you know, like <laughs> that was a flop. Okay. I mean, it was, yeah, I, I, it's one of those, as it was happening, we all knew it was, everybody knows what's going on. He's giving a yellow because it's time wasting and flopping and just stop it. Um, but, okay. So if, 
But, but Anderson does throw the, a shoulder. throw a shoulder in him, which is like, okay, that's not you can't right, do that, you know. Right. So that's the thing. Like that to me looked like he had cause to. He did look legitimately knocked over to me. It didn't look uh, like it was an out of I nowhere mean, he, flop. Oh yeah, no, it's contact. But but most flops aren't like you know. There's a just a, a light brush against the shoulder and out of my face. Oh god, what a, <laughs> like a lot of those are. There's contact and you embellish it like. You, yeah. You're going to the ground, but you don't just fall over. You throw your arms out and ah, you know, <laughs> scream as you go. Like that's the yeah. embellishment. And 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 let's be honest. It, yes, Aderson makes contact. Yes, he pushes him away. Jason just doesn't need to be there. He should. He he should be giving the space. He's wasting time. And he yeah. makes, a, as they say, makes a meal out of the like. I am not the least bit bothered by that card. Yeah. Jason just knows exactly what he's doing. Everybody knows what he's doing, including yeah. Anderson. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 a card you will take given the circumstances. I'm not bothered sure. by that. Okay. Nor was I bothered by the one. I mean, the one against Jorginho was I thought a little harsh early on in the game, especially given what he did. Is like, really? That's that's a yellow. Okay, we're gonna. That's how we're gonna call this game. Um, yeah. But again, you know, Jorginho played fine for the you know until he came off uh, in the second half. So. Um, but yeah, so yeah. aside from aside from that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? But like, there were some notable exceptions. But overall, though, the overall feel of the game it did flow. It it was a the officiation didn't dominate the game, as you mentioned. Right. If we it, had we lost, we would probably be speaking differently of it. But right, and 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 that I think gets us to to, I mean, to me, I don't. Again, I said I don't want to dwell on the officiating. I think it's an important point, but I think also gets us to the biggest thing, which was the substitutions. Yeah, I have been critical of Arteta for his substitutions. Many people, many Arsenal fans, have been critical about his substitutions. I thought they were spot on today. Not the least of which because they all ended up combining. If you watch that the the goal, it is party to Tomiyasu to Havertz to Martinelli. Yeah, off of Nathan Ake's face and into the back of the net. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, like you—that is—that's the force. That's all four of them touch the ball in sequence right. to set up the goal. And they were—I mean, we're we're going to do we're going to do player of the week, obviously. Instead of instead of the match, I think man of the match was Martinelli. I thought he was a terror down the left. I mean, you can see. Just, I, I like Trossard. He's a good player. He does a lot of good things for us. Martinelli has another dimension to his game altogether and him coming back. uh, The unfortunate thing is apparently they made a comment that um, apparently Trossard was hurt, Hmm. which is why Martinelli came on. That's all I've heard is Trossard's hurt. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully not serious because he's a guy we would like to have. Right. Um, But of course it's good to see Martinelli back. It's good to see Thomas party back. Uh, Great to have a guy like Tomoyasu. You can just bring off the bench. And apparently he can play central striker because he saw he's the one who lays it off. Right? right. Like that's that's the kind of depth we had and we're able to play with. And it was just we beat them without our best player. Yeah. Like just just let that sink in. Saka wasn't even on the bench. Right. And we won. And that's 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 enormous. Yeah. It's enormous mentally, I think, not just to beat them, but to be able to do it without your best player. Oh yeah. And Saka is very clearly our best player. I, man, like that's. Did you see Erling Holland's face as they were walking off the pitch? I I have to say here here's here's what I'll say about that. I didn't really see Erling Holland at all in this game. You know why? Because William Saliba <laughs> took him out, and Gabriel were Gabriel monsters. had a really good play. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I, and, and, and Saliba in particular, I, I, but both of them together did, I mean, are, they're probably the best center back pairing in England. They might be the cent- best center back pairing in Europe. I mean, they were excellent. They marked him out of the game. Holland was a non-factor, which is, right. we know how good he is. Right. Um, so they, uh, you know, uh, Saliba in particular was great. Uh, Gabriel did an excellent job. I thought both of our, def- all of our defenders, Zinchenko, I mean, really outside of Raya's distribution in the first half, I thought we were great. Uh, the central defenders, and Declan Rice was a part of that too. Oh man, really that, containing that Holland. one play where he picked it away from them just so surgically, mm-hmm. that was amazing. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't He's, end up going anywhere, but uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a lesser player commits a foul there. You're absolutely right. right. But Declan right. Rice is not a lesser. I mean, you know, nobody talks about the fact he costs a hundred million pounds anymore because she's <laughs> <laughs> just so good. Declan Rice right. has been great. Um, yeah. And then it, it just winds up. I, you know, the, the subs were great. And then the goal, I mean, I don't know how, what was, what was your what was the reaction for you and 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 your dad while watching? Well, yeah. So you, you and I talked before we started recording. So yeah, I I had an interesting first time experience with this match. So you know, usually it's one of two things, either or let's say three. I'm watching it live alone. I'm watching it live on a phone with my dad in Texas, who's also watching it at the same time, live, live plus or minus a few seconds that we take for us to sync up (laughs) with each other. Right. Or I'm watching it whenever late at night, the next morning, whenever I'm able to get around to watching the match by myself. What we did this time is we actually shifted it to the next day. So we watched it this morning, Monday morning, instead of, on Sunday morning when we were, my team was playing, my son's team was playing baseball. So, you know, we, we weren't able to watch it live. So, but I watched it with my dad at the same time. Both of us stayed unspoiled on the result and had a time shifted facsimile or facsimile of the live experience together, like watching the full match replay live, neither of us knowing how it was going to end. So, um, so you were asking about the goal of what our reaction to the goal was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first question was uh, that, that my dad was asking and I, I wasn't sure at first either until I started seeing the replay. And even then it's, 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 I, we saw later on what they determined, but own goal or not, right? Like the way it was off of that guy's mm-hmm. face, <laughs> it looked to me like if it hadn't ricocheted off of him, that it might have still caught the right edge of the goal. And, Aderson might well have blocked it at that point because that's where he was positioned. Um, but certainly once it bounced off his face, Aderson had no chance of blocking it and it went to the left side of the goal instead of the right side. Um, but yeah, no, it was just, we were just ecstatic because especially, I mean, when it's that late and I mean, I, I had resigned myself to, Hey, it's a draw. I'll take a draw against City, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd rather, you know, win at home against them. But hey, a, a draw would still be a success today. Or, you know, yesterday, today. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, right. Um, but then in, it was like the 88th minute, the 87th minute, like Martinelli, it was, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Um, it, and the, and the buildup too, just like you said, just the, all those players, all the substitutions coming to fruition. It was, it was magical. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, in the end, they do give Martinelli the goal. Um, yeah. I thought at first it would be an own goal because the deflection is obvious. And I think that's part, like, Aderson is, of course, like, caught flat footed. You can see him, like, going one way and then suddenly, like, you can see him reacting to it. But they do end up giving it to him. And I think that's because the shot was probably going to be on goal. Right. And so that's, and there, there is a judgment call inherent in that, right? Is it, you know, it, it, 
if, if, if the deflection, if, if the ball isn't definitely going into the goal, but the deflection causes it, which I think was the, the ruling in the Spurs game. Right. Um, for our, it was the first goal was an own goal because that ball is probably not maybe not going in but clearly is going in because it hits the defender sure this one i think they determined that you know that yes he makes the deflection but that ball is probably at least going on goal and it's not necessarily that it would have scored but that it would have been on goal a shot on goal and would have forced a save or forced the attempt yep obviously the deflection sort of solidifies that uh and makes it a goal um I was a little surprised they gave it to Martinelli, but eh, I mean, I'm, I don't really care, obviously, but it's yeah. fine. I think that's fine. I think it's, I think that's a defensible call or a good call. I don't sure. feel like that was, I don't feel like anybody is, is robbed because of that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I have to say, so again, of course, I, we had a, we had a pretty good crowd, as you might expect. Um, sure. For this game was, <laughs> since it was 1030 local time, fairly late in the morning, uh, you know, right. it's a lot easier for a lot of people to get there. Um, it was very crowded. Um, I I think the biggest cheer I've heard there over the years with with the group was the uh was uh Reese Nelson's winner against Bournemouth last year. Right. In the 90s. This was a little different. Was, yeah. It was yeah, this one was pretty there there was a lot of tension released. It we had long stretches of the game where it was quiet because it was very nervous. Sure. Um you know and and I think the the there's a as you said, it's it's not just that we scored. It's not even just that we won. It's who we beat and what that means. And look, it is the first week of October. The season runs until May. <laughs> we have a very long time until it's over. We're technically not even in first. Uh, right. We're technically in second. Spurs is ahead by goal difference. And City's in third. They're what, like a point behind us? I mean, yeah. The, you know, and, and, and I've heard this comment as well that because it's so so relatively early in the season, it takes a like when we played them first time in February. It was like, uh oh, now we're talking about the title. Nobody's really talking about the title yet. It's way too yeah. early for that. Um, so I wonder if that takes a tiny bit of the pressure off them. And we are gonna ha- have to go to up to Manchester, of course. We'll play the return fixture, uh, which I believe I thought I had this. I, thought I had the schedule up. Um, I believe it's in February. Um, which obviously is the kind of time of year where it's like, okay, now we're starting to talk about the title race, but also, you know, it's, you know, it is, you know, obviously it's a long time from now. Um, you know, it's just, but it's just a different kind of environment, different time of year. Um, no, I'm sorry. We play city. Oh God. Oh God. We play Uh-oh. them in the last week of March. Ooh. That's... Oh, that is, that is a tough, that's, um, Okay, we still have April. We still have April and May to go. Still, too many games afterwards. It won't be a title decider, but that'll be a very different environment. Very it's different it's the, right. It, it it may not be the decider, but it may be depending on where each of us is positioned. It may decide which of us beats the other potentially. Potentially, certainly, and I mean, we still have. You look at that point. Just looking ahead from from it just through April and May, we still have Brighton uh, away. We still have Spurs away. We still have United away. Uh, just after that game, so. Okay. You know, there's, and of course, being in the end of March, now we're talking about potentially being in the knockout stages of the Champions League. Maybe right. We're deep in the FA Cup. You know, it's a totally different atmosphere, totally different environment. Who knows? If we've been knocked out of everything by that point, that game is a huge deal for us, whereas City may be saying, eh, we right. got a court, we got a Champions League quarterfinal this week. I right. don't know how we want to handle this. Or it could be the other way around. We look and say, oh, you know, yeah. we've got Barcelona or something like that. So I don't know. Right. It's, it's, there's a lot right. of, 
but to do it obviously to do it now to have the opportunity to take it is is very good um it feels good you know like you look at the teams that have beaten city over the last like seven or eight years since we last did it in the league and like really we couldn't some of these teams they beat them and we (laughs) didn't but you know i we did it yeah it feels good um and I think it's good, sort of like with the United game, sort of the emotion of the late winner there. I think it's good also that we are about to take an international break. Cause I think if we had to go from that and now suddenly go to Sevilla, I don't think that, I think that Sevilla Champions League game would go very poorly for us, but I think yeah. we get some time off. We're going to play Chelsea after the break. Chelsea's dangerous. They're, they obviously have some, some talent. They're putting, they may, they've played well. I think they're, they're playing a little bit better. They're still a team. We've done very well at Stamford Bridge over the last few years, and they're a team that we're frankly just better than. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, 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 you know, having that time to prep and get settled, and then go to Sevilla, I think will be helpful for having the break. It will be really helpful for us in terms of keeping focus, keeping settled. Right. But then again, also the experience of last year, having come so close, and they sort of the using that as motivation, but also as the you know sort of to think about it is a long season. It is October. We're going to be okay. We got a long way to go. Right. Let's not, Leo. Don't. We're high. It feels good, but we're not going to be super high because we know, right? There is more. In front, there's a lot more in front of us. Yeah, and we talked about after the last international break how we were kind of a, a little bit rusty when we came back. I think we drew the match after we came back or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think hopefully, yeah, if, if Chelsea does turn out to be an easier game for us and kind of eases us in, that that works out well. If if, if it turns out mm-hmm. that way, so. And it's still, it's still Chelsea. It's still a London derby. It is not going to be, it is not going to be a cakewalk by any, by any means. Uh, or, or if it is, Chelsea's in a lot bigger trouble than we think. But I don't think, (laughs) I I think it'll be, I think that would, I think there be, I think we should beat them, but it is not, you don't, you don't just say to yourself, Oh yeah, we'll win at Stamford Bridge. I think we should, but, or I think we can, but obviously it's going to take a lot. Okay. Um, you, so you mentioned, so you mentioned Martinelli was your pick of player of the match. Um, mm-hmm. would you stick with him for your player of the week? Uh, not for the week because he doesn't play at all in the, in the Champions League. I not think player true. of the week, I, I thought about this a little bit. I think it's Gabriel Jesus. I think he deserves a lot of credit for how well he played against, against City. I thought he was a terror against them. Uh, he just was, he just popped up everywhere. You can yeah. see. I mean, you know, listen, we all love Eddie, great guy, Arsenal kid, all of that. Jesus is, is just better. It's just, and, and I mean, we, we know that. Ideally, obviously, Jesus is starting. Um, but, you know, Jesus does just, just does so much more. He was all over the place. He caused so many problems. I mean, he spent most of the first half being our key outlet down the right wing as, as Saka's replacement. That's not his position. He's not a right winger. But he did a pretty credible job there doing what he was supposed to do. And is able to move centrally to get himself into some positions, was terrorizing their defenders. And I thought he played pretty well against Law. I mean, nobody played particularly well against Lawns. I thought Jesus was okay. Had a really nice goal. Um, yeah. you know, as, as well. So I think I think for player of the week, I think I'm gonna say uh, Gabriel Jesus. All right. Um, I have no qualms choosing Martinelli. <laughs> I think when it comes to how significant his contribution was over the course of the week. Like we'll forget about law by, you know, mm-hmm. a few weeks from now, we'll still be talking about beating Manchester city probably. So even though he played in one quarter of the halves of this week, um, I think that uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely gets it for me. So. All right. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so um, we already talked about it, um, but uh, what's coming up next for Arsenal? 
So again, just to reiterate, international break. So if you're an Arsenal fan, if you're an Arsenal only fan or a club only fan, take it easy. <laughs> um, obviously we have South American qualifiers, as we mentioned, Asian qualifying kicks off, although not for us, India and Japan. Um, but then Arsenal will come back on a Saturday, which is, I believe, 21st of, of October. It's in September there, October, because it's already <laughs> October. Uh, a Saturday game at Stamford Bridge against London rival Chelsea. So yeah. we are, we, we will be, we will be back at it with a little bit of intensity. All right. Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show as well as sharing it with friends. If you're watching on YouTube, and if you're not, we certainly recommend you do, please like and subscribe. Do it right now before you forget. To support the show even more, you can, of course, become a Gooner U superfan for ad-free episodes as well as raw, unedited bootleg recordings available the night we record. It's only a dollar a month, all right? And there's a link in the show notes if you want to join. Uh, you can follow our show on Twitter at Gooner U Show for updates as well as to ask questions. Please do. We'd love to to get you involved uh, asking us questions that we can answer. Um, again, my name is Dove. You can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. And with me, as always, is Keith. And you can find him, as ever, in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Go, you Gunners. <laughs>